Welcome to Conquering Our Unseen Enemies. In this podcast, we help believers develop spiritual discernment. I am your host, Don Simmons, author, speaker, and YouTube host of Life Journey with Don Simmons. My purpose here is to explain Satan's strategies and how his kingdom functions to better equip you in reducing conflict, chaos, and ultimately eliminate Satan's influence in your life. These are life-changing conversations. We'll get started with this week's message in just a few moments. But first I want to ask you, would you like to know more about biblical history or historic and biblical places? Visit my YouTube channel, Life Journey with Don Simmons, to watch and learn about travels in historic areas discussed in the Bible. Come with us as we explore ancient places and share cultural background and influences on early Christianity. We will take you places where Paul wrote and shared the gospel. That's Life Journey with Don Simmons on YouTube. Welcome back. I am your host, Don Simmons. And in this episode of Conquering Our Unseen Enemies, we are going to be continuing and completing our discussion on behaviors and activities we do that result in curses having a legal right to operate in our lives. We've already discussed what a curse is and what a blessing is. We've reviewed uh, Deuteronomy 28, discussing obedience and disobedience relating to blessings and curses. We discussed events or occurrences that suggest or reveal a curse may be operating in our lives. And this is the second part of last week's episode in our series, Understanding Blessings and Curses. And before this series ends, you will know how to break curses and usher in blessings that are being blocked by curses. So let's review again the definition of a curse. A curse is defined as a solemn utterance intended to involve a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. One of the things we discussed in part one was Deuteronomy 28 and verses 1 through 14 reveal blessings for obedience, and verses 15 through 68 reveal the curses for disobedience. If there is a curse in effect, it has a legal right to operate. Our job is to find out why and eradicate or break that legal right. As we talk about this, know that I am being very blunt about all of this purposefully. I don't want to hide behind anything out of fear of offending anyone or sugarcoating anything. Truth can be offensive when it is contrary to God's word, and I'm not going to water down what his word tells us will provide the consequences of a curse. This episode is a little more direct, more convicting than last week, so it's going to come across in my words as I'm talking. I could feel it as I was preparing for this. Now, last week we started this conversation of behaviors or activities that give a curse the legal right to operate. And those areas we discussed last week were self-imposed curses, 
by our own words or actions, that God alone has absolute authority when we participate in activities overtly or secretly that are an act of rebellion against an authority we are subject to, we're opening a door to a curse. That's in Matthew 28, 18. We talked about participating in illegal activities. We also talked about Christians who use legalism um, to define their salvation. We talked about apostasy or turning our back on, on God and renouncing our salvation through Jesus and carnality, so worldly lust. We discussed Genesis 12, 3 and anti-Semitism and how that's on the rise. I don't know that it ever really left, but it certainly seems to tick up or at least make it to the news more frequently. Um, God will bless those who bless his people and curse those who curse his people. And lastly, last week we talked about Exodus 20, which is first and second commandments to have no other gods before him and no idols. Now, our first area to discuss that will allow a curse to operate should be pretty self-explanatory, but because it encompasses many little things that we often overlook, we will try to go over several of the pitfalls. The overall area we are discussing here is witchcraft and witchcraft-related activities. There's confusion today about what is harmless and what is truly satanic. His primary purpose, Satan, is to deceive us. So when we don't know the Bible, the true character of God, you won't know when the Bible is being manipulated to serve a purpose other than godly. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Paul here is talking about Satan, and we know that God clearly tells us in Deuteronomy, that disobedience brings a curse. A big way confusion enters the picture for naive believers is through New Age type activities. The use of crystals, meditations, chakras, moon cycles, yoga, incense, something called smudging, are all intended to replace the one true God with fake ritualistic activities. It presents as promoting self-help, but behind it is just the marketing of a peaceful form of witchcraft. It's all garbage. Anything that intends to create in you a focus that is directed toward anything other than the Lord is satanic. Any centering of self, or meditating on anything other than the Word or the Lord Himself is going to produce a curse in your life that you will not be able to feign ignorance of later. Of course, there are other forms of witchcraft that are easier to discern, tarot cards, psychics, games, rituals, 
Unfortunately, there are still plenty of places in the world which still allow animal and even human sacrifice. In January of this year, Detroit City just approved animal sacrifices for religious purposes. This is not God's way because Jesus became that sacrifice for us. Any sacrifices for religious purposes after Jesus are satanic. Clearly, the participation in any activity that is satanic in nature puts us in operation with Satan and will produce a curse in our lives. Did you know that just as Christians work to evangelize and bring others to Christ, Satanists do the same thing, but also then take it a step further and pray against us for complacency. They pray for the Antichrist to appear much the way we pray for Jesus to return. Those activities that we engage in as Christians, there is an opposite counterfeit operation intent on stirring up and growing the population of those against Christ. I remember a number of years ago, my oldest son was a travel hockey player. And so we used to travel all over the country for his games. He did play internationally, but I couldn't attend those games because it would have been difficult with three younger kids at the time. Anyhow, we were in a town known for sinful activities and we were there for a weekend. It is by far not my favorite town. It has a lot of twinkling lights. Okay, I like lights, but the rest of what goes on in that town I could care less about. One of the afternoons, we were walking down a major walkway area, and I was approached and a tract was shoved at me. Now, I hate it when someone does that, regardless of what the tract is. Even if it were a Christian tract, don't shove it at me. That does no good. How will that benefit anyone if you're out there forcing your way on someone? In this case, however, it was not a Christian tract. It was a satanic tract. I had never seen one before, so I was quite surprised. I could not help but wonder how many people were drawn to it. So I'm sure not everybody is like me where you get irritated by that stuff being thrown at me, but I'm sure there are some susceptible people. Now understand, if you were given something like that, something satanic that has any sort of symbols on it or has any words that are contrary to God, anything like that, and you hold on to it, you don't even have to read it, but you hold on to it. You didn't bother to get rid of it right away. Then you've opened a door because it's, it's this, it's, it's just something written. So no different than then if somebody spoke something over the, over you, getting rid of it is your rebuke of it. And, and you want to do that. So objects in our possession, as we've discussed previously, are problematic, particularly when they are specifically demonic in nature, overtly or subtly. These next few topics I want to go over are surprising, I think. Well, they should be surprising. That's probably a more accurate description. So what I'm referring to here are Christians who slander, gossip, speak with malice in their heart of other Christians. Now to be clear, what we're not referring to here is when someone, when there's an issue of sin and the church is going through the steps of discipline with a member. What we are talking about is baseless, 
unnecessary rumor mill tearing down of each other. It creates division and allows the enemy to enter into the body of Christ and begin tearing down the foundations of the church. I remember a time when seasons changed and we left a church and we were looking for our new church home. One Sunday after we found what we thought was going to be our new church, I was standing outside talking to someone and I noticed a woman staring at me. We will call her Jane. I knew of her from the previous church that we attended. We weren't friends, but we had mutual people we knew. One of the mutual people was someone who practiced Wiccan. So we will call her Wick. So suffice it to say, I wasn't much interested in deepening the relationship with Wick. Aside from that fact, Wick was manipulative, deceptive, and had a cruel streak in her that affected someone close to me. Wick was not a fan of me either. I got the impression she could not stand me. I was not someone she could manipulate. And any time deception was attempted, I called her on it. I refused to do what she wanted and didn't really care what she thought of me. I wasn't rude. I wasn't argumentative. And when she wanted something, I just said no. I tried to disassociate with her entirely. The person close to me, however, still had to deal with her at times and was becoming more resistant to being manipulated. This didn't bring out the best in Wick. And as a result, she chose to lash out at me by lying about me. The fact that she did this, I didn't care. Wick was working with the father of lies, so whatever she said meant nothing to me. The issue was now we were planning to attend this new church where Jane also attended, and I figured at some point this situation was going to come up. I liked the new church, so I wasn't willing to leave, and I asked the Lord how I was to respond if anything was said. The Lord said, Exodus 20, verse 16, nothing else. Just that verse was all I was allowed to say. In case you're wondering, Exodus 20, verse 16 says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. I thought it was genius. Fortunately, it never came up. Jane ended up leaving that church and going somewhere else. My point with that story is to explain how we can ask the Lord to handle anything. When we hear gossip, we don't know the truth. It's not our life. Can you imagine if Jane had repeated to others in the new church the lies the Wiccan had told her about me and how easily that would have been to take fire? What if you're the one hearing the lies? If you knew the source of the lies was from a Wiccan, would it change your perspective? Would you be willing to repeat it? The Lord took care of this entire situation for me, and I never had to open my mouth. But he was kind enough to prepare me in case, in my own mind, I needed a defense. Examine your heart if you know this is going on around you, and talk to the Lord about it. If you were the one who participates, repent and ask for forgiveness. 
if you are someone who has had this happen to, don't hold any bitterness. Let the Lord fight the battle and move on with what he has planned for you. If we don't, we're allowing the curse a right to operate in our lives. And had I had something happen and I, if I had not responded appropriately or even asked the Lord what to do, I would have invited a curse. It would have been uh, something that would have had the legal right to be there. Now, the last area we're going to discuss is even more surprising to me. The most surprising of all of them, I think. Actually, I'm going to call this one shocking. Have you ever known someone who prays, but what they're praying for is contrary to God's word? It happens for a few reasons. First one is easy. People don't read the Bible and therefore don't know who God truly is. They think their own thoughts are right and true. And so they appeal to God through their warped sense of wanting justice or a narcissistic plea in an attempt to manipulate God. God cannot be manipulated and praying in such a way is an abomination to him. When we are jealous of our fellow Christians or feel slighted, we can have a tendency to maybe not wish the best for their lives. The problem becomes when we start to pray to God about that. When we do that, what position do you think that puts us in? We, in essence, become the accuser, the same role that Satan plays. God sees our behavior for what it is, and we put ourselves right smack dab in line for a curse over our lives for that behavior. And as, as, I'm, as I'm talking to you about this, I am remembering um, some people I have come across in my life who have told me that they have specifically prayed for a curse over someone. Ah, you know what? You know what? You know what? This was about, gosh, it would have been... 12 years ago now. I'm going to tell you this woman's name. Her name was Maria. Maria was very manipulative, but acted very religious. And what she would do was she'd ha- she had financial problems, frequently had financial problems. And she would borrow money from uh, other employees. I never knew about this until long past, or trust me, as a manager, I would have stepped in um, and taken control of that situation. But I didn't find out till afterward. And one of the things that she did was she, she, she tried to borrow money from another employee. Well, that other employee didn't have extra money. And do you know what they did? They blessed their heart for thinking this way, but they were manipulated to think this way. Maria told this person that if you will give me money, you will be blessed in heaven. But if you don't, you will be cursed for not giving me the money. I can't even, can you imagine? What would you say if somebody said that to you? I would, I would rebuke her right there. But this poor gal did not she didn't know. And she borrowed from her 401k. It was like 1500 bucks. And 
it, so she got a penalty. She got a tax penalty for that because she wasn't 59 and a half. And, uh, you know, it, it counts as, as income that she had to deal with in her taxes. And it was supposed to be a loan. But of course, Maria never paid it back and then did a, she ghosted everyone, disappeared, went out on a medical, disappeared. And, uh, and this gal was livid because now she's dealing with her husband was upset and, you know, it had a negative impact on her. That someone saying that sort of, and and behaving that way is completely satanic and God will address that. So just know that there's people who walk around and will claim such evil and do such evil manipulative things. Completely forgot about that until I was talking about it here. Okay, so that is it. That or those are all the areas I wanted to address. And as you can see, all of these behaviors and activities are within our control. So there's no reason why we should from this point forward be participating in activities that invite Encourage, engage, entertain, elicit, provoke, generate, prolong, develop, or create a place for Satan to legally operate a curse in our lives. Curses should not have any room to have a place with us, and we want to keep it that way. I hope this has been helpful to you. If you know anyone who is experiencing any of these issues, please share this podcast. Addressing these demonic influences and getting them out of our lives is life-changing if we are willing. As always, let's recap the top show points. So again, we are discussing behaviors and activities we do that result in curses having a legal right to operate in our lives. A curse is defined as a solemn utterance intended to involve a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. Deuteronomy 28 verses 15 through 68 reveal the curses for disobedience. If there is a curse in effect, it has a legal right to operate. Our job is to find out why and eradicate or break that legal right. So the areas we discussed last week were self-imposed curses by words or actions. God alone has absolute authority. When we participate in activities overtly or secretively, that are an act of rebellion against an authority we are subject to, we are opening a door. That's Matthew 28:18. Also, uh, le- illegal activities um, provide an open door. Legalism, and I'm really referring to um, Christianity and people who use legalism, denying uh, essentially uh, Christ as their savior because they're following all these laws. Apostasy, so turning our back and renouncing God and carnality or living worldly. We talked about Genesis 12, 3 and the increase in popularity or reporting, at least, of anti-Semitism. God will bless those who bless his people and curse those who curse his people. Also, Exodus 20 verses, or excuse me, the first and second uh, commandments. Excuse me, which are to have no other gods before him and not have any idols. Overall area that we discussed also was witchcraft and witchcraft related activities. Maria was actually witchcraft, her manipulation of that other employee. 
Um, the participation in any activity that is satanic in nature puts us in operation with Satan and will produce a curse in our lives. Christians who slander, gossip, or speak malice in their heart of other Christians. We also gave you the story of Jane and Wick. Um, we also talked about someone who prays, but what they're praying for is contrary to God's word. And then I gave you the story that I just remembered as we were uh, talking here about Maria and how she manipulated people. All of these behaviors and activities are within our control. So we need to stop, repent, seek forgiveness. If if we're doing something and uh, get get back on track with the Lord. As always, we encourage you to have an active Bible reading plan. It will be helpful in gaining wisdom and understanding, and it is required for the gift of spiritual discernment. Also, if you are looking for a way to document and keep the scriptures that mean something close to you, and you want to support this podcast, we have um, an Amazon store. Mountain Mover Media is... Um, publishing our journals. We have some scripture journals, travel journals, and just regular journals in there. There's going to be some new publications coming out from us that are going to be talking about how to develop your relationship with the Lord and how to increase your hearing from the Lord. And for those who sign up, and our members of the warrior community on our website, you will get a discount. So uh, you can do that at conqueringourunseenenemies.com and join from the homepage or the resources page. So next week, we will continue our series, Understanding Blessings and Curses. I have enjoyed our time this week, and I look forward to spending time again with you next week. That is all we have for this week's episode of Conquering Our Unseen Enemies. I hope you enjoyed your time with me, and I would kindly ask you to rate our show and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Conquering Our Unseen Enemies. Now, if you have a story or a question you want to share, please email me at contact at conquering unseenenemies.com. We do not need to use your name. And finally, please share this podcast with anyone you think might need it and enjoy it. So until next time, remember, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But we can give him an eviction notice. <laughs>